Amen. We're looking through Luke chapter 12, uh, verses beginning from, from 35 to 48. Third gospel in the New Testament. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, are you telling this parable for us or for all? And the Lord said, Who then is the faithful and wise manager? whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time. Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and at an hour he does not know and he will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did not and and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating everyone to whom much was given of him much will be required and from him to whom they've entrusted much they will demand the more well hello love to hear you hi hello. <laughs> it's really good to have you here and it's good to be with you as I said before I like to hear your highs back because I want to invite you to, to say amen if you feel so led or or uh, yeah shout praise of joy there's there's reasons to shout out of this text so yeah amen my name is Daniel I'm one of the pastors and uh, we have been walking through the book of Luke if you're new here we've, we've spent a good deal of time in the book of Luke and it's been such a joy Jesus's words are uh, challenging <laughs> over and over and over again. And I feel like especially the last few weeks, we've been in some challenging texts. I want to start out uh, quoting. I, uh, first off, would you open your Bibles and just follow along with me if you if you have one? If not, there's some pew Bibles in front of you. But I just love for you to, to be walking along with with me in the text. So I love these words of Paul. He, he says to the Galatians church, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I, I love those words because when we, when we hear those, those words, do not give up and 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 let us not become weary. I, I, I resonate so much with those phrases. 
I think if you're if you are fighting to walk this Christian walk, it's common for us to feel the burden that this race is, that it's hard to keep on running. So it helps us. It's a comfort to us to hear someone say, don't give up. There's a reward. There's a harvest waiting for you if you don't give up. We need those types of encouragement. I need those types of encouragement. When I've got a schedule that's full of, of heavy uh, conversations, uh, I, and I, I'm tempted to just run away. I just want to like throw in the towel and be like, I just can't do this. Or maybe it's just you're on your weekend and, and you're, you're trying to run errands for the family and, and you, you see somebody in need and you feel like the Lord is, is asking you to, to minister to that person. And, and all you, all you want to do is just run the other direction. Say, Lord, I, I can't do it. These words are so, so helpful to us. And, and Jesus knew something about this. Jesus knew something about what it was like to, to feel the weight, the burden of the world, to feel, uh, w- watch friends, family, uh, people that he cared about deeply lost. Watch them sin and suffer. He knew what it was like to carry that burden, and, I, and he speaks these sorts of words to us. Don't give up. You will gain a reward, a harvest at the proper time. So this is the third of a short sermon series that we've been doing on money and possessions. And um, two weeks ago, Pastor Ross taught us that we can only keep what we give to God. He's he's unpacking for us what it means to, to lay up treasure, not here on earth, but in heaven. Last week, Pastor Dale, he unpacked for us what it looks like to seek first the kingdom. What it looks like to seek first the kingdom. It is, it, is to, it is to boldly labor in this kingdom, trusting in God's provision and promises for the, the coming kingdom. This week, we kind of unpack, Jesus really shows us the, the so what. Like, what does it matter whether we live in that manner or not? What, is, what does it matter? Well, I tell you, it matters a great deal. We just read those words of Jesus, and we're going to unpack those. Um, but it matters because Jesus offers warnings. He, he offers warnings that, that the way that we live in this life has great bearing on the way we'll live in the next. He also offers comforts as we press on. The way that we live in this life has bearing on the way that we'll live in the next. So we need this passage today. If we're going to press on, if we're not going to give up. Amen. So let's go ahead and dive in. Look at verse 35 with me. It says, stay dressed for action. I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. And be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So Jesus has made commands in the passages uh, before. He said things like, don't worry, don't fear. And now he speaks some more commands. He speaks these commands. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. 
So this first command, stay dressed for action, is, is a little weird in the original language. It actually is goid up your, gird up your loins, not goid. Gird up your loins. That might as well be. It's another weird word. Uh, gird up your loins. What does that mean? Well, in, in that day, the, the men would have worn really long robes, long, loose robes. So to gird up your loins is really to have the robes pulled up and tucked into your belt so that you were prepared to run. So you wouldn't, you know, when you start to take off running, you're not falling on your face, right? That is what it means to gird up your loins. They're, they're meant to be ready for a journey. This is not typical for people in that day to wear a belt. So they would have put on a belt and been prepared for action. This is similar to a platoon commander saying to his men, hey, don't rest here. You need to be dressed and ready for action. Gun by your side. You might feel like the battle is far away, but be ready for action. That's the sort of word that he's giving right here. And and then in the same way, he gives the second command. He says, keep your lamps burning. Now, unless you're Amish, you probably don't have a lamp burning in your house. But you understand this idea of keeping your lights on, right? The the idea here is is keep your lights on because it's going to feel sleepy. It's going to feel like it's time to go to bed. But right now is not the time for sleeping. Keep your lights on. Be ready. Be alert. What for? What is, what is Jesus getting after? He says, you must be ready for, or ready like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that, may, so that you may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. So Jesus is not literally here telling you, hey, put on running shoes, put on your, your head running headband, and keep your lights on all the time. That's, that's not what he's saying. Instead, he's, he's saying, I want you to have an attitude towards life that recognizes that, that God is near. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. But he's, he's saying, I want you to be carefully waiting for your master. Like somebody who's, who's watching over a house. Like a servant who's watching over his master's belongings and, and the person is long gone on a journey and he's waiting for him to show up at any moment. So he's ready to open the door to him. Ready. Be ready. Your mindset is ready. There's a sense of urgency here in Jesus's words when he says these things. And why? Why are these commandments so important? Because... There will be the temptation to let your guard down. There will be the temptation to let your guard down. That's why Jesus speaks in this way with such urgency. This wedding feast picture. You know, nowadays we go to a wedding and it's like a, it, it is really just a one day event. Unless you're traveling across the, the country, you know, to, to be there. Maybe it's a weekend event. But, but in that time, it's, it's long. Like there's long celebrations. The journey's long. They don't have a, uh, you know, a, a speed car or whatever. <laughs> Maybe you don't probably, do you, anybody have a speed car? No, no speed cards. Anyway, you're, <laughs> you're not getting there quickly. You're not getting there in a plane. You're showing up slowly on camels. So, so this is Jesus' Jesus' way of showing that uh, the the journey and the, the wait is long in this life. The wait is long. Wedding feasts were long. In in a little while, Jesus was going to ascend into heaven, 
in a, in a little while, the disciples didn't know this, but, the, but there was going to be a long time of waiting in which Jesus knew that would, would be hard. The disciples would be tempted to fall asleep. They might be tempted to think, hey, the boss is on vacation. Solitaire, catch up on reading. Right? No, no, that, that is not how you're to act. Jesus is saying, you must be ready, watching, waiting, listening. Again, I ask for what? Well, Jesus tells us exactly for what in verse 40. Read it with me or along with me. You also must be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. What, do you, what must you be ready for? Jesus coming. Jesus is telling the disciples, hey, I need you to be dressed for action. I need you to have your lamps lit because the Son of Man is coming at a time that is unexpected. There's this long period. It will feel like it's time to sleep, but it is not. Your attitude towards life, towards the world, must be as though Jesus could come at any moment. I need to be ready for him. Who is the Son of Man? Jesus is the Son of Man. We, we were in the book of Daniel not long ago, and, and in Daniel's chapter 7, it unpacks this picture of a, of a divine man who is going to come and be given all the kingdoms of the earth, that he will have authority and that we would follow him. Those who are following this son of man will also rule and reign with him. But Jesus, this son of man, is described as the king who will come. And Jesus loved this title for himself. He spoke of himself as the son of man all the time. And so here he is. He's telling his disciples straight up, the son of man is going to come at a time you don't expect. It, it confused Peter, right? A little later, he's like, who are you talking about? Like, who is this for? He doesn't yet understand, but, but friends, in the same way that he came to earth, Christian theology, basic Christian theology is that we will see him again bodily. The church has always believed this, that Christ will come again. We will see him face to face. Amen. Every eye will see him. Every knee will bow. There's no question if Jesus will come again. We will see him again. But here's the challenge that we face. This is, this is the wedding feast time that we're living in. The kingdom has come in the person of Christ. He has inaugurated his kingdom, and yet his kingdom is not fully here. Right now, his kingdom is open to anyone who would believe in the name of the Son of God, in the name of Jesus. They would be saved and enter, enter into his kingdom. But we're still waiting. We're still watching. We're still hoping for Jesus' Jesus's return, and it's long, and it's hard. It's wearisome. Isn't that right? It's a hard walk. And it's, it's tempting. We are tempted to doubt his return in these moments. We're tempted to disown our king. We're tempted to run after the things of the world, to become like the world. We're tempted to, to become... To, to disown our king like the, the creatures of Narnia under the spell of the, the wicked white witch, right? If you're familiar with that. There's this temptation in this sleepy time that we live in to turn away from the Lord. So this is why Jesus urges us, urges the disciples, and urges all who are disciples of Christ, be ready. 
Be dressed for action. Watch, wait, listen, keep your lights on. He's going to come at an hour we don't expect. So, here's why this matters. How we live in this time of waiting has massive, I said this before, it has massive implications for us. It has massive implications for eternity. That's what Jesus' next teaching expounds. He, he opens up some teaching about rewards and punishment. Will you look at verses 37 and 38 with me? Jesus said, Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at table and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. I want you to notice, church, that there is no hiding when Jesus comes. There, there is no hiding when Jesus comes. It says that when the master comes, he's going to find those who are awake or are not. He will, he will know every single one of us personally. He will see every single one of us personally. And we're told that, that he will come, <coughs> excuse me, that he will come to each of us like this master comes to the, to the servant. And whether we are awake or we are asleep makes all the difference in the world. There will be some who are awake when Jesus comes. And, and listen to what Jesus says for those individuals. He said, blessed. It's another word for happy. We could just insert happy are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Church, those who are, those who are watching... Those who are waiting, those who have made Christ the center of their lives, that, that seek the kingdom, that are generous towards God and towards others, that are doing all the things that Jesus commanded his disciples to do. Those men and women, he says, are blessed. Blessed. When Jesus says, truly, he says, he, says, he says, truly, the master will come and what? What is, this, what is the master going to do? He's going to serve them. The master will come and serve the servants. This is crazy that, that the master who is, this is Jesus who is, who is the master. He will come. It says he will dress himself for service and he will have them recline at table and he will serve them. That is truly remarkable, is it not? I love that scripture. <laughs> Friends, it is hard to follow Jesus in this life. Amen? But the reward for us who are awake when he comes is immeasurable. The reward for us will be great. We're told that the God who created the universe, the one who set up a feast for our eyes, for our tastes, for our ears, the one who, who died and was risen so that we could have life in him, this one, we're told, will eternally serve us. He will set a place for us at table, and we will recline and eat and feast in his presence. That is good news. <laughs> It far outweighs 
the suffering that we experience in this life. That's why we read in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, what no eye has seen, nor ear perceived or heard, nor heart, the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. The reward that is coming for the man, the servant, the woman who God finds awake cannot be compared to the suffering that we experience in this world. To the suffering that we compare here. We've been harping on this in this little mini-series because it is hard. It is hard to to manage our wealth. I mean, it's been so convicting every week to, to be thinking about all the ways that I, I use my wealth, not thinking of it as, as I'm managing God's belongings, but as this is mine. This is mine. We've talked about just the, how easy it is to set up a little kingdom for ourselves and for, for God to just be uh, an afterthought. He's out there. But friends, this this promise of reward is what should drive us. It should drive us to run, to run this race. We're told that we will one day hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And when we hear those words, oh, what joy it will be. When we realize that the race is over, it's done. The, the little bit of suffering that we've experienced in this life, though it feels great, it will be swamped by this good news. Amen. The end of history, friends, is really only the beginning for those who are in Christ. It's really only the beginning of eternity for Jesus' followers, those who are longing for his turn, waiting for his kingdom to come and fill the earth in its entirety. Jesus reiterates the fact that you will be blessed. He says in verse 38, if he comes, that is, if the Son of Man comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. Friends, things that Jesus repeats we should pay attention to when he says, truly, truly, I say to you, you can know that it is sure. If you have any doubt in your mind that suffering in this world is, is swamped by the rewards that God gives you hear Jesus say, truly, truly, you will be blessed if I find you awake when I come. Truly, truly. Jesus speaks these words to us to encourage our hearts. And, and what, what do these mean, words mean here, the second watch or the third? Basically, he's saying, if he comes in the morning, or if he comes in the afternoon, or if he comes into the wee hours of the night, the servant who is awake, who is not getting sleepy and wandering into the ways of the world, that servant is blessed. That servant is blessed. He's going to reap this sort of reward. But notice in verse 39, Jesus is warning. He's just given us encouragement for staying awake. But then there's, there's a little bit of a, of a warning. But know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Not only will the Lord's return be, it will feel long. I mean, it's been 2,000 years, right? Plus, not only is it long, we're told it will be unexpected. 
And so that warning to us is, is, is simply this. We, we can't be lethargic. We can't think, well, hey, I'll just, I'll kind of have my fun here in this life. Maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll get serious about my faith when I get older. No, Jesus says he's coming at an hour that you won't expect. Like a thief. You never expect when a thief is going to come. If you would, you'd get ready for them. Jesus is going to come in that way. What about you, Christian? What about you, brothers and sisters? Are you ready? Are you watching? Are you waiting? Is that your heart posture? Is that your attitude towards life? I'm waiting. The master is away. Kind of like he's, on, he's at a wedding feast and he's going to come soon. In fact, what we know about what Jesus is doing right now is he is saving the world. He is seated on, at the right hand of God until all of God's enemies are, are put under his feet. The Lord is at work right now. And that means that as we wait, many more are coming into God's kingdom. That's good news, even though it's hard. Now, Jesus continues in verses 42 and following, and he, he's going to contrast two types of people, the faithful and the unfaithful. And he's going to show us more fully what it means to be awake or to be asleep. So we've talked about this, the importance of being awake for Jesus' coming, being ready for Jesus' coming. This is going to kind of un- unpack what it means to be awake, what it means to be ready. Let's read in verse 42 with me. And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give him their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him in an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. That's a sobering word. Let's first look at the faithful. The one who is ready, he describes as a faithful and wise manager. I like that word in this translation because it really helps me to understand what it, what it means to be ready. What do you guys know about managers? They're not typically the owners, are they? They instead are, are given the task of, of overseeing someone else's belongings. I mean, imagine if you're, if you're a manager of a restaurant. Right. That manager is expected to to do the scheduling. Right. They, they make sure the employees are paid. They make sure that the, the operation is running at the standards of the owner. Make sure that everything is happening in order, that the company is thriving. That's that's what a good steward is. Faithful managers aren't kept or aren't found sleeping on the job. They're not found. Uh, they're not. They're not found like squandering the wealth. They're not found stealing. They're found making, helping that business thrive. They work the long hours. They fill in when someone can't make it. They manage the finances. Ultimately, a company thrives or fails on good or bad management. Isn't that right? So, this is what it looks like. Jesus says. To be ready and awake. 
It's to be like a faithful and wise manager. And what are we managing? We're managing God's world. We're managing our households. We're, we're a part of making sure that the church thrives. Making sure that our children, that our marriages are thriving in the Lord. Ultimately, it means that we're obeying Jesus' Jesus's commands. That we're making disciples. We're stewards of this world. Friends, hunger. Orphans. Uh, poverty, sex trafficking, and just, just to name a few, these are issues that, that are our responsibility to some degree. Right? I'm not saying that we all are called to, to be managers of or over everything in the world, all the problems of the world, but to some degree as managers and stewards of this earth that God has given us is to care about the suffering of other people, about the things that are broken in this world. I'm grateful for my sister Mary who's here tonight. She, she served for many years inmates, those who are coming out of the prison system, helping them to thrive, to get back into the life, to, to, to thrive in the world, in society. These are things that matter to the Lord, that we steward well this earth. I mean, I could get into all kinds of other examples, but that was, that was one thing that came to mind. And I'm so glad you're here tonight visiting us, Mary. But we, we steward and manage what God has given to us, just as a restaurant owner would steward uh, that restaurant. And in, in, and in the same way that a faithful manager would be rewarded by an owner, friends, how much more God, how much more God, he will reward us when we are faithful with what he's given us. When we, are, when we see ourselves as only passing through this world, managing God's belongings, waiting for the return of the Lord, Jesus promises us reward. He will reward you. He says, that manager will set you over all his possessions. That's another crazy phrase. The, the sort of uh, amazing grace that we see there with, with Jesus setting a table and serving you. Imagine this, that he would come and give you the world. You, church, will inherit the earth. We may feel little and small right now, like we have a very little uh, space that we have to manage and steward. But one day, those who are faithful with little will manage the entire earth. Heaven will meet earth. God's kingdom will reign here on earth. And we will manage God's possessions. That is an amazing, amazing truth. And that's what it means to be a son of God. I could go to other places in scripture that, that unpacks what it means that we are heirs of the kingdom. But friends, if you are faithful stewards, Jesus says this world, all of God's possessions will be given to you to manage. To, they will belong to you ultimately. Then Jesus unpacks the unfaithful. He contrasts that person with the unfaithful. Verse 46, we see that, that description. He, he will set him with the unfaithful. First, we see the unfaithful servant. How, how does the unfaithful servant behave? This is how he behaves. We see first that the unfaithful servant begins to reason with himself. He says, my master is delayed in coming. 
right? Sin always starts in the heart, church. There's a, there's a, a battle in our minds. There's a battle in our heart. Sin starts in the heart. We begin to see him reason with himself. He's, he's long gone. He's delayed in coming. He grows impatient. He's dissatisfied. He's sleepy. His faith is waning to the point that he begins to act in particular ways. Instead of stewarding all that God has given him, he begins to behave like he's the master. He begins to act like everything belongs to him. Instead of managing the household goods and caring for the other servants and giving to them their portion at the proper time, we're told that what? He begins to beat the other servants. He begins to eat and drink and get drunk. Now, I think this this description of beating servants, and he mentions, he says, male and female. Why that little phrase in there? I I think that, that Jesus is getting after the way that we care for, that we steward other people, other image bearers, those who walk this planet with us. People who are sinful in God's heart, that are not ready for Jesus' return, that are sleepy, that are as Jesus describes here as the unfaithful, they will, they will begin to say in their hearts, he's long gone, and they will begin to act however they choose. They will begin to mistreat other humans, and they will begin to indulge in sinful pleasure, we're told. Rather than loving a neighbor as we love ourselves, rather than seeking the joy and life of others through sacrificial hospitality and generosity, we become self-serving towards them. We seduce and allure for our own sinful pleasure. We covet others' belongings, so we steal, we cheat to get it, we hoard because we're greedy, we are bitter and unforgiving. And this is the problem with the world that we live in. The problem with the world that we live in is we act like this stuff, this body, our belongings are ours alone. We begin to to mistreat, mismanage what God has given us to steward. We begin to act like other people are a means to our ends, that we get to use them for our good, that we get to use food and drink and all these things in the way that we see best, not in the way that God sees best. The the person who is unfaithful eats and drinks and gets drunk, it says. Again, I think this is... This is a person who is indulging in sinful pleasure. He's a person who's no longer ready to serve. He's no longer longer able to give of himself. He instead is squandering the master's wealth. He's squandering the master's house while he's forcing others to serve him and suffer because of him. And again, this is the problem with the world. It's when we who are stewards of this planet and of one another, of God's belongings begin to act like they are ours alone. Every time we indulge in the flesh, church, we are choosing to take rather than give. We're choosing to to take rather than build. We're choosing to take rather than serve 
And with every sinful decision, we tear down our world brick by brick. Stewards of God's earth help this world thrive, but those who are unfaithful stewards tear things apart. And that is the problem with the world is our sin. Amen? The unfaithful, Jesus says, will be surprised by his coming. He says, the master, that servant, will come on a day he does not expect and at an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him with the unfaithful. What are his consequences? He will be cut in pieces. What's going on here? I think, I think this is a description of, of physical destruction. In the Old Testament, we read about covenants being made. And when they would make a covenant, they would often have an animal that they've, that they've sacrificed as a part of that covenant. And they would actually cut that animal in two, and the two parties would walk through that animal, the parts of that, that animal, and they'd say something like, may the same thing happen to me if I break this covenant. Friends, when we rebel against God, when we, when we are unfaithful in stewarding God's possessions, we are covenant breakers. We are covenant breakers and we deserve to die. The wages of sin is death. And this is, this is what Jesus is talking about. We will be cut to pieces. Do not be mistaken. God will punish humanity for their wickedness. Those who are found unfaithful before God when he returns will be killed. There's plenty of scriptures that I could use to back that. But not only will they be killed, there's something worse. We're told that they will be placed with the unfaithful. Now, this is a topic that, that's never fun to talk about, but, but what, what Jesus is describing here is, is that there is, there is life beyond this world that we live in. There is a place where the faithful will go. That is with God, enjoying all the good that we've just read about, managing all the earth, sitting at table, feasting with the Lord and with one another. But friends, there is a place marked for the unfaithful, a place that's been called hell, a place where people are separated from God and will suffer as they are separated from the source of life and joy and peace. Scripture teaches this and, and Scripture lays these things out for us and, and calls us to be the faithful and wise manager. The one who, let me, let me just read this sentence. I think it's really important. Instead of receiving the heavenly inheritance that he would have received as a reward for his faithful service and suffering in this life, the unfaithful servant chose to indulge in his way and in his time, and as a result, would receive everlasting punishment. By making eating and drinking his God in this life, he lost, he loses his ability to eat and drink in God's house forever. This is the foolishness of living in this world like this is 
This is everything. That is why it is foolish for us to live in this world like that's all, like that's all. We eat, drink, are merry in this world and we pretend like there's no, there's no future. By choosing these moments of pleasure apart from God, we forfeit eternal pleasures. So both servants here are described as stewards. And, and what we see it is their behavior that shows us whether they are faithful stewards or not. And their actions in this life show whether they will live with God in the next or not. Jesus closes up this parable with these sobering words in verse 47. Look there with me. And that servant who knew his master's will, but did not get ready or act according to his will, will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given, of him much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Church, this is why these words are so important for us. Jesus spoke these words to his disciples as a warning. He spoke these, disciple, he spoke these words to his disciples. And he speaks these words to us. There's a reason that Jesus was so hard on the Pharisees. They were those who had been given God's word. They should have been the holiest of all, right? And yet, they were looking like the unfaithful servants. They did exactly what Jesus warns about here. They were slothful and they were wicked in God's sight. They were self-serving. They were asleep. So Jesus warns the disciples. He warns us not to be like them. He warns the disciples. He warns those who had walked with him, who had seen his signs and wonders, who had heard his teaching. Don't be like them. For him who has been given much, of him much will be required. The more you know, church, the more accountable you are. That's a scary thing for me. I've grown up in the church. I've been given God's word. Most of us in this room own a Bible, maybe five. We have tons of literature in our home. We have Christian radio stations. We have churches all over this city. We have resources to be able to know God and walk with him. Much has been given to you. Do you believe that? It is safe to say that much has been given to you, even as much had been given to the disciples. You may be poor in this world, but if you have biblical knowledge, you are rich. You are rich. And Jesus is speaking to these disciples and he's saying to you who much has been given, much will be required. And this is a warning to us too, church. Whether you've been given skills or wealth or biblical knowledge, God expects much of you. Jesus warns us today that if we squander our gifts, if we live foolish lives, knowing full well what God expects of us, there will be punishment. There will be punishment for you if you choose to run in your sin, if you choose to persist in your sin. When you've known all along not to do so. When you've known all along what God's word teaches. But here's the good news. Jesus doesn't want it for you. He doesn't want that suffering for any of us. Amen? We know this because Jesus came and he warned us. He came to the earth and he warned us. And he also went to the cross for us. 
He went to the cross to bear the punishment that every single one of us deserve. All of us at some point in our lives have been unfaithful, ungodly managers, ungodly stewards, right? And God went to the cross so that you and me would not be condemned, would not receive punishment. All who put their faith in Jesus. He promises forgiveness. He promises that we will not be punished for our sins. He took that punishment. Amen? But still, we're called to live in this world in the power of the Spirit as wise and faithful managers running a race set before us. I want, you to, I want to read some words from Peter. Peter was standing there when Jesus spoke these words. And hear, hear these words from 1 Peter 13. 1 Peter 1, 13. Therefore, preparing your minds for action. That's the same phrase in Greek, actually. Preparing your minds for action that, that Jesus says back in, you know, get, be, be dressed and ready for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Set your hope fully on Jesus' return. He goes on, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as, as, those who he, is, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as, as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Our job in this life, church, is to set our hope Fully on Jesus' return. And what that means for us is that we will walk not according to that old man, the old futile ways, but we will walk in holiness. We will look like our Father in this earth as faithful and wise managers. Our God is faithful to us. Amen? He's faithful. He doesn't change. He always loves us steadfastly. He always does what he says. We want to be holy like him. So this is a call today, church. This is a call for us to steward everything we've been given. This is a, this is a call. This, this series has been a call that, that our money, with our money, with our possessions, with our life, with our energy, with everything that we have, we live as though we're waiting for our master's return. We live because we believe that we're a part of a kingdom, a kingdom that is going to last for eternity, a kingdom that is greater than this world. We live with that attitude towards life. That's what it means to be ready. That's what it means to be watching. That's what it means to be waiting. Even more, I'm calling you to be living in this way because, church, you have been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. You and me belong to him. We bear the name of Christ in this world. We bear the name of Christ in this world. In the same way that Jesus laid down his life, but was then exalted to the right hand of God. He was raised up from, from the dead and placed at the right hand of God and given eternal glory. Church, he's promising that for you and me. 
He's promising that for those who do not give up, we will reap a reward. We will reap a harvest. Reaping is hard. Holding fast in this life is hard. But I want to challenge you. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing on. Don't give up. Run this race set before you. Let's be faithful and wise, wise stewards. Stewardship is temporary, church. Suffering is temporary. Soon we will inherit the earth if we do not give up. Amen. Let's be ready. Let's pray. He's coming soon. Father, thank you that you've given us this word in Jesus. Thank you that you invited us, Lord, to to be like a faithful manager. You showed us what that looked like, Lord. You were the perfect man. You were the most faithful, the most wise manager. When all of us had gone astray, when all of us had squandered wealth and energy and time, Lord, you came and you lived a perfect life. And you died the death that we deserve. And you rose again that we could walk in newness of life. So we could have everlasting life with you and be rewarded. Lord, in that day, we will not boast in our works, but we will boast in you, our Lord and King. We will boast in you, King Jesus. Father, help everyone here to be ready. Let there not be one of us on that day that you find asleep. Let there not be one of us in that day that you call unfaithful, that you find mistreating our wives, mistreating our children, mistreating our neighbor, and indulging in sinful pleasure. Help us, Lord, to be found on that day faithful. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Would you continue to shape us, God? We need you. We need your help. We ask that you'd fill everyone in this room with your Holy Spirit so that we could walk in these ways with your power. We are helpless without you, Lord Jesus. So give us more, we ask in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen.